Welcome back to the Hockey House Pod, episode 107, presented by Optum X Sports. I'm your host, Mackenzie Murphy, as we bring you all the latest news from the ACHA and AAU college hockey season. We're getting so, so close to the start of the year. We've got teams heading back to school. We're getting ready to make some predictions. I cannot believe how fast this last portion of the summer has gone by already. Fitzy, how are you, how are you staying busy these days? I missed you guys last week. I was playing men's league. Crazy, crazy story. I get thrown out of the quarterfinal men's league game. <laughs> I was arguing an offsides call. Didn't use any personal like attacks or anything. I was very cordial in my my argument. The guy gave me an unsportsmanlike. There was like nine minutes left in the third. We were up by two. I'm like, all right, you know, whatever. I'll just get in the box. Completely done talking. And then he's like, you know what? You're out of here. I got tossed from my quarterfinal men's league game. It's just uncharacteristic uncharacter- of me. We lost the semis then now i got nothing to keep me busy it was a heartbreaking loss but yeah same old same old just lift like you said it's gone by pretty quick so my season's coming up here uh, about a month it's it's going really quick that's pretty crazy because i feel like if if there was a lady bing in the acha like you probably would have been up for that and even in, in the fed too I, I got a question though when you're playing in the off season are you still wearing your iu gear or are you wearing like leftover stuff from binghamton Still repping the IU gear. Well, it's a little bit of mis- mi- like mix and match. I don't show any Binghamton stuff. It's, it's mostly IU gear. I'm afraid. I still play with the cage out in the summers. I'm afraid. Of, I don't trust any of those guys uh, catching you up in the high with the sticks. So, yeah, it's mostly I- IU gear. Yeah, I don't blame you with the cage. I was talking about that with my older brothers the other day because they had been wearing visors since they were 18 and started playing men's league. And I think recently there's been a big culture shift where it feels like most guys and girls in men's league are wearing full cages or fish bowls. I don't know if that's because in today's day and age, you know, everybody is either online and doing face calls or maybe social media. People are just more open about like being okay with wearing the cage and the, the fish bowl. But I feel like there was like, you used to get chirped. You used to be like, you weren't tough if you wore a cage in, in men's league. And now it feels like one or two guys on every team have the visor. But for the most part, everyone's rocking with the full face shields. We'll throw it over next to Aiden Collins, who's back in the hockey house. The hockey house pod is officially back on campus. Collins, how, how's the house in Villanova looking? It's been good. The, the house is in great shape. The house is the cleanest I've ever seen it. I got my room all set up. We got the high school jersey. We got the NYU jersey, Red Bull jersey, Quebec flag, got to rep the heritage. Yeah, it's been good. It's nice to be back on campus. Classes start tomorrow. I got one class all day. Bummer, it's an 8.30, though. Got on the ice a couple times with the boys. Got captain's practices tomorrow and Thursday, and then we are right into tryouts next Monday. Yeah, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday next week, we're rolling into tryouts. So, yeah, team's looking good this year. I'm really, really excited, and the boys are, are happy to be back at the hockey house. Collins, we're recording this on a Tuesday. You have classes start on a Wednesday. I know you have a really light schedule this semester, but is it the first day for everybody on Wednesday? Yeah, everybody starts classes on Wednesday for some reason. I'm not sure why, but that's just the way the schedule works this year. Wow, that's bizarre. Well, good luck. I feel August 23rd. I feel like that's so early. I don't know. I feel like it was probably pretty similar. Yeah, I don't know. Like all the Catholic schools run on the same schedule. They got to make up for those three day weekends that you get down the road. Yeah, 100%. Pumped that you're you're back in the hockey house. I I got a Snapchat actually just before jumping on here. The guys are back in Cuse and they just opened the door to the old house that is being refurbished this year and it wasn't locked. Like they just walked right in and they were like touring the place and you know, it's all gutted but it's got, you know, new cabinets ready to be put in. So that was that was cool to see and 
cool to see the guys being back on campus in Cuse and tearing up the place already. Yeah, not much for me since we last talked. I'm trying to think of what... Oh, what I did this weekend. Yeah, I, I traveled back from Idaho. I went Idaho to Utah, which was like a seven and a half hour drive, and then flew from Salt Lake to Boston, which was like a five hour flight, and then a three hour drive back to New Hampshire. So I did a lot of traveling this weekend. Got to see my younger brother play a little bit in Marlboro. Good to be back in Marlboro for the first time since Nationals. It was actually, Collins, you're going to think this is crazy. They were the only game going on. There was a, a, night, a U19 game. And it was the only show in town on rink one. A couple of the rinks didn't even have ice in them. Parking lot was dead. It was a ghost town. It was it was so bizarre being there with no one else. No ACHA banners, no nothing. Uh, a very quiet place. Did they at least have the ACHA logos on the ice? Or did they get rid of those? No, no ACHA logos on the ice. No ACHA banners. Uh, I don't know if they redid the ice after ACHA Nationals. Providence Bruins logo still at center ice on rink one but yeah it was, it was the quietest i've ever seen that building I, I can't say enough about utah i had an awesome time there i talked about it a little bit last episode uh when we had dylan Dix on about how hospitable they were got to go out to the bar with the boys on friday night they showed me around which was unbelievable and you know got to go to the local dive bar and play some pool with the boys and, and saw them get into it which fitzy i feel like you're you're on the same page as me here like yeah, clubs are fun, but there's nothing like going to a dive bar and hanging out, playing darts, playing pool with the guys and, you know, having elbow room and being able to go up to the bar and get a drink when you need it and not pay an arm and a leg to get in. So it was a really good time with them and uh, wish them the best of luck this season. I want to thank AJ Bolden for having me out there and the whole crew at Utah Hockey because it was just an unbelievable experience. And we're looking forward to putting together the content that we were able to get while we were out there, but it, it, it was just a blast. And so it's fitting. Collins is going back to school tomorrow, but that's what we're leading with here. It's back to school time. And this felt like a layup, but the meme every year that gets tossed around of Billy Madison sitting in the first grade classroom and that being the guys, the junior hockey players going back to school felt like a really easy layup. People loved it every year. I feel like we should just set an alert every year to post that because people go nuts. They share it. They tag their buddies. Fitzy, I don't know any age outs on the IU teams back in your days that you want to give a shout out to? There's a few. Well, uh, I'll give a shout out to former former guest of the pod, Christian Sherman Colicchio. I, I think that's that's a good one. But yeah, there were that was that was honestly that was a scary thing for me. Like coming in, like I'm 18 going on 19, and like some of these guys are 24. Like holy crap! Like let's go. I, that was looking back on it. That that was something. I got to give a shout out to my my former D partner Connor Chesner. He was a 21 year old freshman. Like showed up on campus as a 21 year old. Had an August birthday. His profile picture, I think, still to this day, is his face photoshopped onto Billy Madison in the classroom from that scene. So he really embraced it, which is really good to see. Collins, do you have a uh, a 21 year old freshman that you want to give a shout out to at Nova? Not that we don't have any 21 year old freshmen. Like we don't have any age outs surprisingly wow a young roster very young roster i think we only have like 10 upperclassmen this year a lot of sophomores but i will give a shout out to my younger brother sean he will be a 21 year old freshman next year not for hockey but for lacrosse so he did pre-first which is a very maryland thing in between kindergarten and first grade so that already set him a year back and then now he is doing a PG year up at the Hill Academy on, on in Ontario for lacrosse. And so yeah, he will be a 21-year-old freshman, and he's already a late 04 
or early 04. So we got to set a reminder to send him the Billy Madison meme this time in August next year, wherever he ends up. Yeah, absolutely. With that being said, this is going to be kind of a quick episode, not too many things to touch on, but next week's episode should be a really good one. We're going to get into some predictions, more preseason talk as we head into the first couple weeks of the season. So um, if you're listening here, feel free to send us an email, a DM, however you want to reach out to us. But we'd love to hear your takes on the upcoming season. If you have any insight on who you think is going to be really good, who you think might struggle this year playoff predictions, you know, scoring predictions, goaltending predictions. We want to hear them. We want to talk all about them in the next couple of weeks coming up here. So still haven't figured out how, how we'll do it, whether we'll do an ACHA prediction episode or an AAU college hockey prediction, maybe throw them all into one. It's going to be a lot to cover, but we'll bring it to you as always. So, um, you know, feel free, shoot us a DM. We always answer and we're more than happy to throw whatever insights you have into next week's episode. Do you have a couple of, of notes? We did get some new NCAA ACHA matchups. Keen State and URI both released their schedules for the upcoming season. I uh, wanted to start. This is one I saw first and pretty cool here, but Keen State released their schedule. It was actually their graphic was done by the athletic department. Keen State is adding NCAA hockey 2024-25. So they're already getting on board, helping out with the current ACHA team with their branding. The Owls are going to host Franklin Pierce on Saturday, October 14th. These two schools are pretty close to each other. I believe they've done this in the past before. Um, Some of these games have gone down to the wire, gone to overtime. So it'll be really cool to see one of the top teams in ACHA M2 Northeast take on a Franklin Pierce team that, if you're not familiar with, is one of the very few NCAA Division II hockey programs. Um, there's a handful of them in the NE10 conference, and they basically do a conference schedule, and then they fill the rest of their schedule with D3 teams. So it's kind of a D2, D3 hybrid. It'll be a good matchup between the Franklin Pierce Ravens and the Keene State Owls in October. And then we actually get one with URI later on in the season. URI is going to take on Worcester State on Friday, October 20th. They are going to travel to Worcester for their matchup. I'm really excited about these ones because we talk a lot and everybody's like, why are these ACHA teams playing NCAA Division One teams? Like they're going to get killed. Like what's the point? These are the matchups I, I live for because it's you get the top teams in the ACHA playing kind of middle of the road, bottom NCAA D3 teams. And, you know, that's where you, you got a lot more to prove. We saw it last year where Stony Brook beat Manhattanville in the shootout. And uh, I expect really close matchups with these ones. But we talk about it all the time. But like it seems like there's more respect for the ACHA, not only at the pro level where you're you're at, but also, you know, at the grassroots level where coaches are starting to schedule these games and understanding that these NCAA teams have a benefit to get ready for their season by throwing in some ACHA exhibitions. Yeah, I think it's sick to get the recognition we deserve now i don't understand like you know like it, it doesn't like hurt them at all to reach out and play these teams it, it, like you said it's it's beneficial to them and they realize that hey, if nothing else like it's a, a tune-up game if you still believe that you know it's like oh well, we're just playing some matcha team fine the fact that they're giving them the opportunity at least that's that's all we really really want it's all we can ask for Collins, I'm curious, has there ever been any history between Villanova and Arcadia? Any talks you guys share rink? Has, has that ever been in the works? We've talked about it. The thing is, with the NCAA, like starting a little bit later, they're pretty strict. Like we tried to set up a scrimmage with them a while back. It just didn't work out because one, they weren't allowed on the ice. The t- by the time they were available, we didn't have any spots. Our schedule was completely booked up. There have been talks, but it's not happening this year. I don't know. It could happen next year or the year after. Not sure, though. 
Yeah, because at this point, it's like a month into the ACHA season by the time these NCAA exhibitions usually happen. So usually the ACHA team has to have a free weekend. Keene State is only playing one game that weekend against Franklin Pierce and same for URI against Worcester State. So I wonder if these were bye weekends that they're filling in with NCAA exhibitions. Love to see it anyways. Speaking of early seasons, we we were looking at one of the schedules that got sent our way and we were checking out Minot State. The defending champs are going to do a road trip on the 15th and 16th to Saskatchewan where they're going to take on University of Regina and Briarcrest College. And then the following weekend, they are going to Liberty to start the year. Then they're traveling to Jamestown. And on the 29th and 30th, they are hosting Liberty again. So some exciting hockey, some early tests for the Minot State Beavers. This could be interesting too, having Liberty and Minot play four games against each other in September and then maybe not meeting again until the national championships. So we'll have to keep an eye on that one and see how that early measuring contest goes. One thing of note, though, is against... University of Regina, that is a very rare ACHA versus U Sports matchup. That'll be very interesting. Yeah, Briarcrest, I don't know if they are CCAA because I don't think CCAA has hockey. That'll be really cool to see. Some pretty high level. I mean, if you look at the way kind of like the college hockey rankings work, I think it goes NCAA D1, U Sports, NCAA D3, ACHA D1, ACHA D2, D3, and then, you know, Fill in the fill in the rest, but well, one exhibition that was already completed, and this has got to be one of the earliest we've seen an ACHA team do an exhibition is the University of Buffalo. Their M one ACHA team took on the USA Deaf Olympics team in two exhibitions in Buffalo at the Northtown Center, and they came away with two W's. I believe it was a, a five one decision, and then also a seven four decision. Collins, we talked ahead of time that this was going to be a tough game. The Def Olympics team is no pushover, very competitive internationally. I didn't get enough time to research, but they must be preparing for something if they were doing an exhibition against Buffalo this early in the season. I mean, good for Buffalo like to get on the ice that early and throw together a team to play. I saw like they had the full uniforms decked out against USA, and uh, the games looked pretty competitive. And you know, saw some pushing and shoving after the whistles, so they were really getting into it. But love to see that. There were some really cool photos that we hope to share from New York Hockey Online. Really cool to to see that this, I don't know, this exhibition took place. I think what was going on was that the Deaf Olympics team just finalized their roster. I don't know what they're preparing for, but I actually saw on TikTok today this kid trying out. And I mean, he's he was a good player. So uh, they must have just finished tryouts and were just kind of going to do a scrimmage to get the chemistry going or whatever you want to call it. So I don't know. Good for Buffalo. Good for for Team USA to get some some hockey this early in the year. It's it's kind of been boring. Baseball is really killing me. Yeah, I just confirmed. First game was seven five Buffalo. Second game was seven four Buffalo. So sounds like the the two games were pretty on par with one another. There are speaking of games, there are teams still looking for games to add. Boston College and ACHA M2 Northeast is looking for some games to add. Feel free to reach out to them on social media. Sacred Heart, another M2 Northeast team, is also looking to host on Sunday, January 14th. They have an ice slot at 5 p.m. at the new Matire Family Arena on Sacred Heart's campus. So go check out the new rink. Hit up Sacred Heart. Hit up BC if you're an M2 team looking to travel to the Northeast this season. I think we just we just solved it. Like we're playing ACHA matchmaker here. Like 
get these two to play each other. Like they both have open slots and they're both them too. Like, come on. I gotta I gotta confirm which weekend BC is looking for. I, I can pull it up right now. Uh they're looking so BC is looking for teams to come to Boston College on Saturday, October 14th, and then they're looking to travel on October 20th or 21st. So it doesn't work out. That imagine if we had just done that right away. That would have been I would have we we would have had to get both teams on the pod. And, and had that confirmed, but they are looking for some open weekends there. So BC willing to travel, willing to host Sacred Heart, looking to host on their end. So be sure to hit them up on social media, reach out. We also got some new jerseys this week. Been a while since we did one of these. James Madison unveiled some new jerseys. We got purple Dukes jerseys. They're celebrating their 15th year as a, as a club sport. Really cool to see. I, I love, they got some really cool branding, James Madison. But I mean, that that's a great logo with the Dukes. It's the Bulldog with the crown on it, the purple jersey. That looked great. LMU out in California, they survived the, the hurricane and, and they brought some cool jerseys with the palm trees on the stripes, a blackout with some red accents looked really cool as well. I'm sure we're going to get a couple more. We've, we've got some messages on social media, some other teams that are uh, planning to unveil jerseys pretty soon. So keep an eye out for that one. We do have some action coming up this weekend. The Amerigold Hockey is right around the corner, August 23rd to 27th. Live streams are free through AmerigoHockey.com. Got a bunch of ACHA buddies on Team Greece. They have games against Argentina, Mexico, and Lebanon. Got a couple of uh, guys on Argentina as well, so we want to give them a shout out. In other news, Alabama is rebranded on Instagram. They have gone back to their old new account. They are at AlabamaHockeyD1 on Instagram. And then we will keep an eye on Oklahoma because they're having some troubles with their Instagram as well. Collins, you know plenty about this where where one day you show up and the Instagram's just gone. So the best thing that you can do when something like that happens is reach out, let us know. We'll try to get the word out for you and uh, help in any way that we can. So that's awesome. And then stick taps this week. This just goes out to Hockey House Mafia. Another huge week. Jumped up to 35 in Apple Podcasts. Thank you to all the Utah fans who tuned in last week for the Dylan Dix episode. Hopefully you guys are listening to this one as well because it is an unbelievable feeling when we get to wake up and see that the Hockey House Pod is a top 35 podcast in the United States in the hockey category. And we just, co- it, it, it honestly, like it, it's fun doing this, but it just gives us even more of a drive to do it when we know that more and more people are listening every time. And uh, gone are the days of hit and record on Zoom and voice memos on our phones and cutting and editing this thing in iMovie. We, we've come a long way. Fitzy's been here since day one. And Collins is, you know, we're at, we're at the point where Collins is now decorating his room so that he's got the podcast background fitzy has got a really good background i'm going out of my dad's office tonight but it has been a, a wonderful ride and we really hope to keep the momentum rolling as we head into the season so we want to say thank you and give stick taps to all the hockey house listeners tuning into this episode here we do have a great interview this week sat down with landon pavlison the former unlv goalie ncaa hockey journeyman junior hockey legend played his junior hockey you know in western canada aged out with the Kenai River Bears and the Kenai River Brown Bears in the Nall. Sat down and talked with him about what it was like. You know, he had, you know, NCAA Division One offers, ended up going Division Three, had some hip surgery, went to UNLV, had a crazy hockey career out of California, 
to him to kind of just debrief and look back on his hockey career was really cool to do. So we hope you enjoy this one. And as always, is brought to you by OptumX Sports. OptumX Sports provides teams the opportunity to build and manage their own websites. The best part is these guys know club hockey. They played it themselves. They know exactly what everyone is going through, and they know how to set up your website in a way that's easy for you and affordable. So be sure to check them out using the link in our bio. And if you're interested in signing up, be sure to use our referral at OptumXSports.com slash sign up slash hockey house pod optimex recently released a new feature that we're super excited about it's been in the works for a really long time you can now add a team store to your team site sell tickets merchandise even make payments you can also set up a team store through jog so if your team uses jog for apparel or jerseys you can get it linked right to your optimex store the latest team to hop on this trend was alabama's aau division one team so we're super pumped for the frozen tide to be hopping on this and we are super pumped for this interview with landon pavlison we're pleased to be joined by former UNLV goaltender and gold medal winner with Team USA at the World Cup of University Hockey, Landon Pavlison. Pavs, welcome to the Hockey House. Thank you. Glad to be here. First and foremost, congratulations on a phenomenal hockey career. You recently announced your retirement. Walk us through that decision. You just finished up your junior year, your first year at UNLV. One more year left of eligibility. You've decided to hang them up. What led you to that decision? I actually had hip surgery when I was aging out of juniors. What I had done was eye impingement and uh, labrum repair. So they had to go in and shave down the bone, stitch that labrum back up. Going into my college career, my freshman year was kind of like a recovery year. And then sophomore year was getting back into it. And then this year was like my first year where I really put some wear and tear on it. It did well most of the year, but towards the end of the year, going into nationals, I started to really feel it. With that off time before nationals in Team USA, I decided to take that time and get it checked out. I got the MRI done and found out that there was a minor tear that was starting to appear again. I can't just have it heal itself. It has to be surgically repaired. And it was at the point where it was kind of like, I can stop now and be okay. And I shouldn't have any issues with it. Or I can keep going, try and finish out this year and potentially, you know, need surgery halfway through the year or make it till the end of the year, but then I need surgery anyway. And that's my second surgery on it. I didn't want to deal with that. I was kind of looking at the World Cup as like, this could be it based on how it ends. But I've got to feel like it's a good note to end on for myself, just after my whole journey that I've been on. Once the buzzer went off, we won the gold medal. 4-0 shutout and having Robbie and Wixie there too like even though they were on the other side just having them there was really special and uh just that group of guys that we had there was little doubt in my mind at that time that that wasn't going to be it it was just kind of hard to think about and accept in that moment but as soon as that buzzer went off I was just you know I just started bawling and I was like oh man, this is just too perfect to not end on so I feel content with the ending I feel like a lot of people can't go out on their own, t- own terms like that so it was really special I feel like you've had such a crazy hockey journey to end it wearing the Team USA jersey over in Romania. Talk about growing up in California and playing hockey. What was that like? I know you got your start in roller. Like, Walk us through that journey. My brother actually was the one who started playing roller hockey, and then I just kind of followed in his footsteps. So I started when I was, I think, four. Played that till I was about uh, seven. They shut down the roller rink, turned it into a K1 go-kart racing, so... uh I took about a year off, then went on to ice, and I always just kind of switched between player and goalie, like each in-house season. I was good at player. I was a huge skill guy. I was racking up the points, but just felt like goalie was more fun for me, and I was good at that, so I decided to stick with a bit of a late start. I didn't start playing travel until Wee. Started playing PWA and then went up playing AA. I actually didn't start playing AAA until my first year of 18s. I went straight from 
16 double A to 18 triple A. Uh, and then I was signed up to play another year of 18 trips and then uh, got the call from uh, Camrose Kodiaks to like come up and just skate at their camp. And I was like, sure, like I'll go. I didn't really expect to make the team or anything and I ended up making it. So I, I don't, th- I honestly don't think I was ready for it at all. Like I didn't really know much about juniors and like what to expect. I was just like, Oh, like everybody goes to juniors. That's what you do. But growing up in California and taking the route that I did, I didn't really know much about it. So it was like a bit of a, a culture shock, like going into that and uh, from California to Canada and, you know, just the change in intensity and compete level and how serious it was. So, and then obviously I ended up getting traded so that you can see where that, played in so what was that like being you know an 18 year old and, and getting traded I'm, I'm sure you know you're away from california for the first time i'm sure that was a difficult time it worked out kind of well with the timing because my mom and my girlfriend at the time were up visiting i got traded to ontario and it was a 15 hour drive and they ended up just helping me pack up and drove with me across so i had some help with it but yeah i mean it was really hard to swallow but honestly it needed to happen. I just think I'd gotten too comfortable and I needed a wake up call. So, and I changed nothing about it happened, how it happened. I mean, I love Dryden, won a championship there. Still talk to those guys to this day. Um, the occasional snap memories will get sent out in the snap group chat and we'll all start talking again. So yeah, I mean, cameras, I, I don't know if you've seen their arena, but they, the can arena, it's this giant arena. That's just like unbelievable for a junior team. And Going from playing in these little like California rinks to that rink every night was pretty crazy. And I just kind of think I got like, oh, like this is it. This is big time now. Like I'm going to go play, you know, college and this is it. Like I'm, I'm going. And it was a wake up call when I got traded, sent over. So, all right. And then you, your 19 year old year, you end up playing in the BCHL. You get um, some more starts. What was that experience like? Yeah, so it's actually funny how that happened. So I wanted to go to the Null. That was my goal. And I got drafted by Amarillo, went there to main camp, and I got cut. Both their goalies came back from the USHL. Then I went to Corpus Christi's main camp, made it to training camp, got cut there. And my backup plan was to always just get asked for a trade from Dryden. I They knew that I wasn't coming back. I had a good relationship with them, so they helped me out. They ended up saying, oh, Nanaimo wants you. And I got a call from the coach. And Went there and uh, it was honestly a great experience. Uh, didn't have, you know, the best team or anything, but good group of guys. Uh, I had a great billet. The, the hockey was an amazing skill level. Uh, it was very offensive, not a lot of focus on defense. So it was a lot different than like where I was hoping to go with the null because it's a completely different game. And that's why I ended up learning the next year too. But yeah, I'm facing off against guys like Alex Newhook, Ken Johnson. Like it was crazy uh ken johnson i don't think i actually played against but alex newhook lit, lit me up a good number of times i think i got pulled in like 50 percent of the games i played against him so yeah going up to vancouver island was definitely better than ontario weather was great super nice town too yeah, i didn't get quite the amount of playing time that i was hoping for it was definitely a good stepping stone and i felt like i was really ready to go to the null for my final year so i decided to sign with Keenai and go there from that from uh, that point Looking at the the EP, 41 games that year and your final year juniors with Kenai, walk us through that experience because I feel like there's a decent amount of ACHA guys who have made the trek up to Kenai River, Alaska and, and played some time there. For people listening, like what, what's a story you have there that was like a huge culture shock? I'd say first thing that comes to my mind is uh, 
actually there's two. The first thing was we were back, constantly back and forth from Minnesota and Alaska because we, we had two billet families, one in each location, because we'd go each location about three weeks at a time uh, to play games. So we'd have like home games and away games in uh, Minnesota. So we did our training camp down in Minnesota and we didn't go up to Alaska until I think October. We went up there the first time and just that drive from Anchorage down to Kenai River along like the cliffs and the coastline, just seeing the water and the mountains and everything was incredible. Uh, and it was absolutely beautiful. Once we got there, we, after a little bit, we went on a hike. I can't remember where it was, but I still have the pictures on my phone, like just the most incredible view, thousands of feet up in the air. And it's just mountains and water and you can just see like the ripples and the waves as it's going on below and just just like bliss so just taking that all in and seeing just the beauty of alaska was really special and it was a really special place to play honestly definitely my favorite place to play for sure did you get to meet any guys that you would cross paths with in the acha when you were playing up there yeah uh well i played with robbie so he was my teammate up there. And then Laker Aldridge, I played against in Fairbanks. So shout out to him. Do you have any, was, was, uh, was Laker a goofball back in juniors? <laughs> I don't remember him too much. I don't think he did too much against me, but uh, he can uh, comment on that. But uh, I'm sure he was. I think he was a rookie at the time. I don't know if he was playing as big of a role back then. But... Did you guys play them a bunch because they were the only other Alaska team? We played them four or five times. So, yeah, we had our, like, series against them. Alaska Airlines Cup or something like that. Or, no, we might have played six games. I think we were tied three to three in the series. So we took the first three, and then they took the third three. I think we had another game against them, and then the season got canceled. Because our, our season got canceled in March, so it was pretty late. We still had, like, a month before uh, going into playoffs. So From Kenai River, you get the hip surgery – what was the college process looking for you at the time? It was interesting because I had been talking to, well, first off, I've been talking to a division one school kind of all year long. They were like, oh yeah, we'll meet you at top prospects. We want to meet you in person. Ended up going to top prospects, never heard from them, never met with them. So that kind of fell out of the way. And I kind of had like this vendetta, like, okay, like this is my last little chance to get it going into playoffs. Ended the season good. Season got canceled. I knew that there was something up with my hip, but I wasn't too sure if it was serious or not. So I ended up finding out that I needed surgery once I got it checked out. That kind of changed the process a lot because I was like, oh, great. Like if a division one school reaches out like and they find out about my hip, they're probably not going to want me. So I actually had a couple division one schools with like goalies leaving and stuff that reached out like even the last week before I left. But once I told them about my hip, they just said, oh, we didn't know that. Like we're going to probably go a different route. So that definitely sucked a lot. Honestly, I mean, I don't know how it would have happened if I had went Division One. I. I could have ended up transferring Division Three anyway. <laughs> Once those kind of fell through, I had a couple. I was actually in between. Uh, who was it? I almost went to uh, UMass Boston. It was probably my first choice. I was in between them and uh, Wisconsin River Falls. And then uh, I got the call from Norwich. Felt like that was kind of what I was waiting for. It was like a big hockey school. Because that was my, still my focus at the time. I was like, oh, I want to go pro. I want to keep playing as long as I can. They called and I was like, wow, like, you know, top school, sweet rink. Convinced myself that that was what I wanted. That was where I wanted to go. So I didn't even visit or anything, but I committed and ended up going there. So this is like 
unprecedented times too that you're making this decision because everything's closed you know no one's doing in-person visits anymore like i'm looking at the photos on, on your instagram and, and you're wearing masks in the team photo like what was that year like was it difficult being at norwich during that time it was awful to put it frankly for people who don't know norwich is a military school yeah so actually you could be a civilian too so we were all civilians on the hockey team minus two guys i think it was 5 30 to uh cannon going off and then I'd go right back to sleep but because I, I'm not getting up for that. It was, you know, a big sh- culture shock once again, walking through campus, having people on military uniforms. The biggest thing, the worst thing about it was just how strict they were with COVID because like you saw, we were wearing masks in the team photo. We had to have masks on in the locker room, working out in the locker room, on the ice for practice. We didn't get to play games until February while University of Vermont, who was in the same state, was playing games all year long. It was really frustrating how strict they were with us, more specifically on us than like the Division One sports. But we couldn't go and eat in the cafeteria for the first semester. We had to go walk there in the snow, get the food in a takeout container, walk back to our dorms and eat it. And we couldn't like even hang out outside at one point like we had to stay in our dorms so i got really good at call of duty that year to say the least and i was just gaming pretty much all the time that's kind of what got me through it besides hockey but it was rough just having literally no life like until the second semester we couldn't leave campus at all they ended up allowing us to fill out a form and submit it 48 hours in advance that would allow us to leave campus for up to two hours the closest thing was McDonald's and Walmart, which were 30 minutes away. So it was a town in the middle of nowhere. So it was crazy just how strict they were about it. And then it was tough seeing my buddies in like Wisconsin who were playing a full season and had no restriction whatsoever. And it's like, we can't even play. So I ended up getting one game, I think. Better than nothing, I got to throw in a uniform per game and play in it. And we ended up losing that one game. How did you end up going to Wisconsin Superior? Um, well, I just kind of wanted to get away from the East Coast. I don't really like it that much. And that's why I found out or I kind of confirmed being there. And I just want to be closer to home after that year too. You know, it was tough. And that was the closest that I could get division three wise. And I had some family in the Midwest. I had a lot of buddies uh, out there too in that area. So I figured, you know, I can go visit them. I know I had some extended family that came and watched a game or two. Also, my girlfriend at the time was in Michigan too. So it made travel a little easier to go see her. And just being in the same time zone was nice too. Well, it was COVID season, but they won the WIAC, uh, beat Stevens Point. So I was like, okay. And uh, I just saw the goalie that they had had kind of taken over for him at the end there. They didn't really have like a set starter. So they seemed like they really wanted me. And that was what I've always gone by. What I've always been told is go where you feel like you're wanted the most. And I felt like they wanted me the most. So I visited there, had a good experience and liked the little town and the WIAC is, I think, the best conference in Division Three hockey. So that was what I wanted. I still wanted to try and go pro and play as long as I could. So that was what went into that decision. I had never heard of Wisconsin Superior until the hockey guys made it famous. Did you get to play with any of those guys in, in your one year there? Yeah, all of them except Lawson McDonald. But he was still president on the team because he was doing his master's at, a, I think he was at Scholastica, which was right up in Duluth across the road. So I got to play with all of them. Yeah, and it was cool. Uh, We didn't really get, like, included too much in on their stuff. It was kind of annoying, too, because we'd have, at away games, we'd have all these girls from the school that knew about them, and they'd be, like, chanting 
stick to TikTok. We'd be walking on the ice and they'd be like chirping them about their TikTok. So it definitely was like a little bit of a distraction. But I mean, at the end of the day, like we like respected them a bit. It was like we were able to like toss aside those chirps easily because like they had at the time 100,000 followers. It's like they're doing it right, obviously, like they're going to make something out of this. So it was like cool seeing that, seeing them be successful. And now they've got their own media company doing it all, traveling to NHL games and stuff. It's super cool seeing them be successful with that. And obviously that's a super cool job to have. And I know some of them are still playing in the SP right now. So I'm sure they'll go back into the hockey guys once they're done with that or something like that. I don't know, but. It, it was cool. Yeah. Like you said, they were getting chirped when they had 100,000 followers. Now they're at 1.5 million, which is insane. And, and the stuff they're doing, like, they seem like they were great teammates, too. Like, they all seem to love the game a lot. Yeah, they were great guys. I know uh, they were our captains, too. Uh, Jay Martz was our captain, and Taver was our assistant. Uh, I think that was it as far as captains. But, yeah, like, they were our captains. So they were great guys. And so, like, you got a couple more starts that year in Wisconsin. What what was that like? Did you compete for the starting job? Did they rotate? Uh, the stats are a little deceiving. I think I actually only started four games. I put in in relief for three or two, and then I got pulled twice, I think. I think I only started – or no, I wouldn't – I don't even know. But I think I only started, like, four or five games out of the – I think it shows eight on there. Yeah, and at first they went with the guy who had – won the championship last year and then he eventually lost a game and then I went in that was my chance so I went in played got a win and then my next game was uh, in Eau Claire against Eau Claire and they you know had a really good team it was a bit intimidating and uh, I ended up getting pulled after I think the second period it was like four to one and the coach came in and uh 30 seconds before we're going on the ice told me that uh, the other goalie was going in. So it was frustrating. I felt like the coach didn't know how to handle his goalies at all and like treat them. So it was very mentally tough being there as far as like playing time and not getting in my head about it. But I just felt like I wasn't really given too much of a chance there. By the time that I was given a chance, it was just so stressful and so tough to mentally like perform because I was so in my head about it. So it was a tough year. And I honestly thought briefly about just hanging them up after that year too, and just coming home or moving in with my girlfriend at the time. And obviously that's not how it happened. So yeah, let's talk about how UNLV came in onto the scene. Were, were you looking at other division three schools? Were you looking at other ACHA schools at this point? You, you've played two schools in two years. Were you looking for a place that was like going to be a home for you? That's exactly what I was looking for. So once I decided I still wanted to keep playing, I had been following UNLV hockey on Instagram that whole year because my best friend, Michael Batusov, was playing for him. So I just followed him to kind of keep tabs on him. And I just saw, you know, it looked like very professionally ran, looked like a lot of fun, you know. But the, the main attraction point for me was how close it was to home. I had always wanted that, you know, the last two years. And that's why I realized was just, oh, I just want to be close to home. I want to be able to get mental breaks and go home for a weekend or be with guys who I know and have a history with and can be really good buddies with. Then obviously Robbie ended up committing way later on, but that was just the cherry on top. I pretty much decided right then and there I was going to reach out to Boots and uh, see if the coaches wanted me. 
And they said, yeah, from there on out, I was like, all right, like, I'm going to wait a little bit. I'm going to go into the portal and just see what pops up. Nothing really popped out. I was interested in at all. Uh, most of them were back on the East Coast. So I just decided to commit right then and there to Vegas without even visiting. So I, it was an opportunity where I could go in there and I was like, okay, even if I don't become the starter, even if I am playing, you know, five, 10 games, I'm still going to be in a place where there's stuff to do, where I can go home if I want to. And my parents can come out and visit. I had some family members, some friends living there too. So just the location was probably the biggest factor for me. Now, you mentioned like not even knowing if, if you'd be the starter there. Talk about meeting Zach Wixon for the first time because he, he was kind of the guy the year before you came in and then you guys got like one of the best goalie tandems in the ACHA when you stepped foot on campus. Like what was your first memory of Wixie? My first memory of Wixie is uh, I went out there for like their prospect camp just to visit and skate. They had just finished up and uh, was just visiting the apartments with Boots. And uh, we were going to walk on over to campus and just walk around a little bit. All of a sudden, him and somebody else, I can't remember who it was, walked in the elevator. And he, I talked to him about this later on. He said that he didn't know who I was at the time. Like, he didn't even look at me or acknowledge me. But so I kind of had this conception of him that, like, oh, this guy, like, thinks he's hot shit. He's going to, like, he just, you know, gave off that vibe. Like, he was just, like, cocky or, like, confident. I had never met him, so that was just my preconception First thing he does is he trips this kid, this like nerdy kid in the elevator about having his mask on. <laughs> so I was like, okay, you're a dick, dude. Like, chill out. And then <laughs> we got all the way down the elevator, walked all the way across campus, and he never acknowledged me once, never did anything to me. So I was just like, wow, this guy is the biggest douchebag ever. Like he totally knows who I am and he just totally ignored me and just chirped that poor kid in the elevator about wearing a mask. So that was my first experience with them. And then once I got to UNLV um, and started skating, obviously like a respect between us, like competing, like during practice and stuff. But he was always nice to me, always a great guy. You know, we all both wanted that ice time. So on the ice, you know, it was competing and, you know, we were, we were buddies. But I honestly was kind of intimidated by him for most of the year just because of that history there. And he was so successful. I was just... It motivated me to not get complacent at all because I knew like he was running and gunning for that spot too. So it was a good like relationship that we had. And by the end of the year, I mean, we were really good buddies and we went out to coffee before I left and it was supposed to be, you know, I was expecting to like sit down for half an hour, hour. And we sat there for like two hours just talking about the year and stuff. He, he was a really good guy. And uh, my first encounter with him, I don't think was accurate of the person that he is. So. Now, what was your first, uh, you know, you played two years of NCAA hockey, played some high-level juniors. What was your welcome to the ACHA moment? Something that maybe you didn't expect when you got to Vegas? I would honestly just say the fans and the support that we had. Well, obviously, you're in a different town. It's not NCAA Division Three where you're in these small towns. But I know Norwich, like, was supposed to have this big crowd and this sweet arena but during covid we had no fans uh superior got no fans whatsoever so it was really cool playing in front of that crowd that they had who was really into it really supportive like you're known in the community like around the rink when you go around there and that you know you have those diehard fans you have all these people all these donors all these sponsors um just how the community kind of came around the team and how many how much help we had from within that community was really cool uh, because, you know, you don't think of Vegas as a hockey town, but ever since the Knights have come there, 
It's like they are diehard hockey fans and they might not know the most about hockey. You can tell like, you know, if you go to a Knights game with the fans there, I'm sure there's a lot of tourists too, but you know, they love it and they support it. It was really something special just getting to meet all the people that I did with that. And now you guys had the opportunity to start the season off against Denver and, you know, what better like welcome to the ACHA than playing the defending national division one champions. What, what do you take away from that trip to Colorado and, and the experience that you guys had playing against one of the best teams in the country? Yeah, so I actually didn't get to go on that trip because uh, the night that we were leaving, we had a late flight out. Uh, I got food poisoning. Yeah, I was in the bathroom puking my guts out when they were getting on the plane. So so you said, good luck, Wixie. Stop as many as you can. I, and I watched the game, honestly. It's about what I expected. I thought that we honestly did. I mean, for ACHA going up against the national championship division one team, they were playing their main guys. I think it was great for us to even, you know, I, and I think it was 10, nothing. That's a great outcome. I think <laughs> given the situation, that being our first game of the year, you know, how good of a team they are with all the, dra- I think they had 15 draft picks on their roster. So just showing that the ACHA can even hang around, like I think it was only like 3-0 after the first period. Everybody jokes and says, oh, the ACHA is going to get destroyed. We weren't even the top team in the ACHA, and we lost to the best Division One team in the country, 10-0. And we, you know, ended up switching our goalies partway through too. Like it just shows like how deep, like how much better ACHA is becoming. Because I think if you had that same thing happen five years ago, it's a much bigger blowout going into playing Alaska too. Like we almost won two of those games or, you know, sent them to OT, whatever, but like they were very close coming back from that and going against ACHA. It was like a walk in the park probably for those guys. So of the three matchups against Anchorage, how many did you get to be in the crease for? Uh, I didn't start the first one, but I played the second half of it and then started the next two. So all three. What was that opportunity like? Because you did the two in Alaska, which I'm sure was cool for you to go back to Alaska and play. And then you had the the last one, which was in Henderson in front of a, a rocking crowd. Like what, what, what were those experiences like? It was great. You know, I got to go up to Alaska again. My billets came out and watched. So I got to see them after a couple of years. And uh, I got to play against some of my ex-teammates, uh, Helgeson and LaJoy, I both played with. And a lot of those guys I had played against in the Null too. A lot of Null guys were on that team. So it was really special for me finally getting to play at that level against that sort of team where I felt like I just kind of just got unlucky a bit with the timing. And I felt like I always could have been a Division One goalie. And it's just with the surgery and everything, it just was tough timing. And I always felt like I could have done more and that just kind of got in the way. So it was really special for me to finally get that experience and show that I can compete at that level all these years later. Granted, it's not, you know, a Denver or a top Division One team, but there are still some guys there that were very good hockey players and were at very good schools before going to Anchorage. It was really special and something about just going up to Alaska and just the air up there and just playing up there was always special. That's always a memory that I think I'm going to have to is going back up there and playing in those games and, you know, helping my team come so close to that. And then in Henderson, I mean, a lot of fans out there again, huge support. That rink is unreal that we got to play in where the Silver Knights play. So that was really cool. And, uh, you know, coming less than a minute away or a little over a minute away from overtime against them was pretty cool. And I wish that we could have at least, you know, taken them to OT, but 
I think, you know, we really put ourselves on the map with that and put ACHA on the map with those, that series overall. Because I, I actually spent the last week in Utah hanging out with those guys and they talked about how cool it was to play at the Dollar Lawn Center against you guys. Normal home games, though, at City National, you talk about like the, the ruckus crowd. Like, what is that like playing in that atmosphere? Because like you mentioned, you know, freshman year was COVID. Sophomore year, not as many fans, but now, now you got these passionate hockey fans in Vegas that get on their feet for UNLV hockey. Yeah, and it was really something special. Um, I mean, we honestly didn't know what to expect because it was down in Henderson, which is about half an hour away from like our other rink. So we were like, okay, like, are we going to get the fan support down there? Like, I know like we'll have our hardcore fans travel down there, obviously, but the whole bottom bowl was pretty much filled up. So there was, I think, like 3,000 fans there, something like that. So unreal to experience that and it's like the sound system seeing the replay up um like i've played in rinks like that before but just like special it's the fact there's like a special occasion i guess that would be like another welcome to vegas moment that i had was seeing all the support and walking through the tunnel having all the kids like asking like there that first game against utah where i didn't play i was in the tunnel and i was signing autographs for kids during the game for like half an hour because all of these kids were coming over and they just loved us. Like they didn't know that we were a club. They didn't know, you know, we're not going to go to the NHL. They just saw, oh, we're hockey players at college in Vegas. And they just loved it. So that's unreal. Another cool place that, that you got the opportunity to travel to was Liberty University. And, you know, the La Haye is a great rink to play at. I wanted to ask you about this because – just a, a terribly unfortunate situation with Josh Fricks and you were on the ice for that. Just the images of the Liberty players all praying and then you joining the circle. Like what's going through your mind when something like that happens? Yeah. I mean, you know, I still can picture that moment in my head vividly, but uh, I remember just seeing out of the corner of my eye, he went down and uh, just hearing, like you could hear him like saying don't move me don't move me as it was just like dead silent and that's where it kind of set in like oh my gosh he might be seriously hurt because i hadn't really seen what happened i just kind of saw him fall down and it didn't look like anything too serious but uh i actually i didn't know fricks personally but we both went to the same high school and played for it but he left the year before i did to go uh, the year before i went there to go play a triple a somewhere else so I always knew of him and like, oh, he, yeah, he left to go play AAA. Like, he's a really good player. I just kind of knew him as that. It was scary. and But, yeah, I mean, just seeing that all go down and then knowing Liberty and, you know, their uh, values and their a Christian school, I was just kind of waiting for that. Like, I knew it was – I was expecting it to happen, them to go and pray eventually, and I was just kind of waiting for it because I was like, okay, like – we need like this is bad like i like i want to join in and pray for this dude like he's seriously injured i think like that's it was just really scary like we didn't know if it was people were saying like oh it was his collarbone and they didn't want to move him but i just had a feeling like it was worse than that once they got into that circle i knew immediately like i was going to go and join in on that it was really special too like going back the next night and playing and uh you know obviously we beat him but like the fans with all their signs just supporting like fricks and just knowing the situation that happened they were all like you know just supporting him and uh i know i had several people to reach out to me on social media that were fans of liberty and some players too just like saying thank you and like they respect me for like what i did and 
I'm a like good, you're a good goalie, like wish you nothing but the best and stuff like that. So they were really classy about that too. And it was definitely like kind of a heart wrenching experience, but a cool experience at the same time, seeing that support. Another place that you had to go to maybe on the opposite side of the spectrum, but you guys went down to grand Canyon and there were some, uh, some rink issues down there. I think they was the, the glass was all fogged up. There was a leak in the roof. Like how crazy of an experience was that? So I couldn't see the other end of the ice because it was so foggy. That's, I mean, I just need to see my half of the ice. That was all I needed, but it was funny because the other goalie and GCU had ended up like calling out to the refs and they're like, Hey, like we got to postpone this. Like it's getting too foggy out here. Like, what do you guys think? Like they asked us that and we were like, we're good. Like we can see the other, like we can see halfway up the ice. That's all we need. Like we don't want to, play this game later like let's get it done with like we just want to finish this off and go home tonight right after that and we decided to keep playing we literally just had one of our guys shoot it down the end of the ice off the end wall and bounce out because we knew they couldn't see it and we had one of our guys just go race down and get it and we scored like 10 seconds in (laughs) and then right after that was when they were like okay we're canceling it like we're done so then we ended up stopping the game but i guess it was like i didn't even notice it either i was right next to the zamboni doors but i guess water was flooding in there and coming on the ice it was a shit show but uh i know there's a picture i don't know if it got like posted anywhere but there's a picture of me right after it got canceled and i was skating up with my helmet up and i was holding up the zero like i got a shutout i kind of count that as my unofficial first shutout for uh, unlb you guys wrap up the year and you gear up for nationals this is a team that had kind of gone on a run lost to uco the year prior to what did you take away from you know the locker room when guys were like leading up to the trip to boston what was like the mindset going in honestly i think we were maybe a little bit too cocky i think that we were just kind of treating it as you know like we know we all thought and i still think we had the best overall team as far as players on our team in the nation just the skill that we had in that locker room, I think was the best overall. I think we all knew that and we maybe got a little too cocky with that, but our mindset pretty much was just, you know, like these guys don't even deserve to be on the ice with us. Like, let's go show them like how much better we are. Pretty much going into that, that, like going up against Grand Valley, we underestimated them a little bit, almost ended up losing. I know that was a bit of a wake up call and also a bit scary, I think to some of our guys uh just seeing like how close like they were i forget what seed they were but they were a low seed and like they almost beat us so it was i think that was kind of a bit intimidating for us going into the next game then too you know liberty ended up coming out playing a great game got a got a bit of a lucky game winning goal but that's what happens i i have no regrets about that game and the goals that went in so i think i did everything i could and that season you know ended how it needed to end and i I hope they can learn from it and I'll be watching all the games this year and I'm hoping they can learn from that and take their new guys and go win one this year. So I I know they can do it. It's just a matter of them all buying in and doing that. So you talked about to the season ends, you got a couple of weeks of rest and then you're heading to Albany for a little bit of a a pre-camp with team USA and, and team Canada. And then you're off to Romania. What was your favorite memory from the trip to Romania? You mentioned like winning the gold medal and, and getting the shutout and that's what everyone will remember. But what's a memory maybe off the ice hanging out with those guys and, you know, the Laker Aldridge's of the group and getting to maybe just see a little bit more about what the ACHA is about. 
honestly, just from the start, kind of, we could tell that we had a special group. And especially, I think once that first game, once we played that first game against uh, Sweden, it was like, holy crap. Like, like, it looks like we've been playing together for four years already. The way that we all just kind of stuck together. And we had obviously some guys that had played together that were playing on each other's line, but it was really cool. Some of the memories that stick out the most, definitely a lot of Laker ones, a lot of uh, Kramer ones. He was a character too. He liked he liked uh, to get elevated. I don't know what that one means. All the boys know what that one means. But uh, the first one that comes to mind is the travel day there. So we had been traveling for f- 24 hours straight. We had finally gotten into uh, Bucharest. And then we still had to drive on a bus about five hours over to uh, the city that we were playing in, which was Karta. Or it was a village, not a city. And we we're waiting for the bus to pull up and all of a sudden we see this bus that looks straight out of like the eighties pull up. So we're like, no way this is our bus. So the guy comes out and speaks to like our translator and we're like, yeah, this is your bus. So we get in there and there's literally like a staircase halfway through the bus, like for people to get off. Like I would, I think I sat on that stair for the first like 10, 15 minutes of the trip while we got everything in there. Like I was always sitting on a fucking staircase in the middle of a bus. Like it was the weirdest thing ever. And the whole five hour trip driving through the hills and the roads and to that little village, there was a CD playing on repeat of this like Romanian folk music, full blast while everybody's just dead tired trying to sleep. And it was just like the same five songs on repeat the entire five hours it was just kind of like a welcome to romania moment when that was happening and it was like wow what did we get ourselves into here (laughs) that's probably one of the funniest memories that i'm not going to forget obviously winning the gold medal that was a great one um and then the night after was a fun one too uh we ended up going out to there was like this little bar in town that was literally First floor, you walk in. It's a counter right there and like barely any room to stand. There's a spiral staircase, like those old metal ones going up. And there's like a loft. And up there was like the hookah, like the pipes that you would smoke. So there were all these locals up there like doing that. And then there was another spiral staircase up. So it was three stories in this little tiny building. And we had both Team USA and Team Canada in there. And it was like 45 guys. And it was literally... Eight, probably a hundred degrees in there. And it was, was right after we just played each other in the gold medal game, and we were just all talking, hanging out. It was just just kind of a special moment too. Like we had guys in there wearing their gold medals too, and <laughs> talking to guys from Canada that we had just beat. So there were a lot of memorable moments on that trip for sure. So you come back, you announce your retirement. Like, what's next for you? Like, what what does the future hold? Yeah, well, I still got one more year. So uh, I actually moved in with my fiance in Michigan. She goes to the University of Michigan and she's getting her master's there right now. So I'm doing all my school online through UNLV for my final year. So I'm just doing that kind of. I got a remote job. So I'm just kind of being the house husband right now. And uh, we actually just got a puppy, a little mini dachshund. I've been watching her kind of taking care of her while she's at school just kind of trying to get things done and taken care of before we both uh, step into, I guess, the real world after this year and uh, get married and move out and uh, get our own place. So, Do you see yourself having a, a future in coaching at all? 
in coaching, I don't know if anything, I think I would be interested in doing like private lessons, stuff like that. Um, or just helping out with, you know, previous teams I had coached out here in California. I, I want to come back to California and live here. So coaching out here, like I'm not opposed to it uh, part-time or, you know, if it makes enough money full-time, but uh, I know that I do want to work ideally, like either in the sports world or with athletes in a way, just stay involved in sports somehow. I'm not sure exactly what that's going to be yet. I'm pretty open. I, I'm not opposed to it. So. Well, awesome. Hey, Pabs, thank you so much for walking us through your hockey journey. Quite the the wild ride. Glad that you had the opportunity to end it in the ACHA. Honestly, one, one of the coolest masks, I think, in the league, too, by the time you got the paint job on that UNLV mask. Thank you. Yeah, the painter was uh, a guy in Vegas, and he, uh, he did a great job on it. So it was cool to really kind of engulf Vegas into a mask. I think he did pretty good, so. Awesome. Well, we wish you nothing but the best of luck here in the upcoming year. And thanks for stopping by. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks again to Pavs for joining the show this week. Always good to catch up with, you know, a guy who's gotten a lot of FaceTime on the Hockey House Pod social channels the last year and uh, wishing him the best of luck in retirement and hoping for a really good season from the UNLV Rebels. Wanted to mention again, like we're really excited for this upcoming season. If you have any any takes, any insights on how the season's going to go. We're more than happy to listen to you and use that as insights for making our predictions. We were able to catch up with Lyndon Palmer, who's the team president at Middle Tennessee State University. And uh, we're talking to him about some potential games to keep on our radar. And he said, with this year's roster, any game, honestly, going to be a lot different than last year. Brought in a lot of very solid recruits and have so much more depth. Our first line from last two years is now split up between our second and third lines. There isn't really a hole in our roster, and the boys have been working this offseason preparing for a big playoff run. So a team that you know we haven't talked about a lot in College Hockey South. Nashville is heating up with you know Tennessee State getting a team. We got Vanderbilt always in the mix in College Hockey South, and Middle Tennessee maybe isn't a team that we haven't talked about a lot, but it seems like they're ready to go for this upcoming season. So we'll certainly keep an eye on them. They'll have a fresh new look courtesy of Verbero as well too. So they'll look the part too, which is even better. That brings us to our question of the week and fits the, the Hoosiers were in the spotlight this week. People couldn't get enough of the, uh, the outdoor. What's the name of the football stadium in Indiana Memorial stadium. Okay. Memorial stadium was looking really good with a sheet of ice on there and um the internet loved it everything college hockey reposted it question this week is if you could have an outdoor hockey game at any college football stadium that has not already hosted an outdoor game where would you want to see one so for this it could be ncaa it could be acha it could be aau as long as this venue has not already hosted a hockey game so like we'll throw carter finley out because they hosted one last year. We'll throw the big house out. Uh, no homer call for me this week because Syracuse has already played an outdoor game. Or not an outdoor game. They've already played in their football stadium, the Carrier Dome. But I'm curious what you guys think. Fitzy, it was Indiana that sparked this. I'm sure you would love to see one at Memorial Stadium, but is there another stadium that you have your eye on? Yeah, it'd be nuts at Memorial Stadium. I did a, did a little bit of research. Um, I'm going to go ahead and give some love to the uh, Georgia Tech boys. Bobby Dodd Stadium, I think it'd be sick. We got a fifty-five thousand people capacity. Got a couple national chippers they've they've won there, and I think it'd be sick if they squared off against the Georgia Bulldogs. Um, and then we we think back to Georgia Tech and their uh, their white shells. I think they could put together some nasty uh, little outdoor jerseys to go along with those, and I think it'd be a lot of fun. 
I like that pick. That's a good stadium. I think that's where um, the the MLS team in Atlanta played there for a couple of years before their stadium was ready, and they were packing that place. So feels like hockey in Georgia is on the rise the last couple of years, and the success that the Savannah Classic has too. I, I, I like that one. Collins, what about you? I think you were talking too. You, you had an NCAA in one in mind as well. I've got two here. I'm surprised neither of these these stadiums have been used for an outdoor game yet. The same two teams, I, it doesn't matter which stadium, but the Harvard Coliseum and the Yale Bowl, neither have hosted an outdoor game. So Harvard-Yale would just be unreal. I mean, the Yale Bowl especially. I mean, both stadiums are just absolute classics. It's hard yeah, to beat. A lot, of, a lot of history there. A lot of history. And then for my ACHA matchup, we're going to go to Ben Hill Griffin Stadium, a.k.a. the Swamp, and we're going to have University of Florida versus FSU. Wow, there we go. And maybe maybe the NHL will will uh, we'll get a Tampa Florida matchup there, but that would that would be a really cool one too and get some Tom Petty playing in there. Absolutely. That would that would just be an unreal experience. I don't know how you're going to get ice to work in Florida. It could be pretty sweet. I got to watch the the Swamp Kings documentary that came out on Netflix today as we're recording. So, my pick it's funny, Collins, you said for NCAA, you were surprised that these stadiums haven't gotten used yet. That made me think of this stadium. And for my NCAA pick, I can't believe we haven't seen Penn State play at Beaver Stadium yet. That seems like a layup for the NHL to do a stadium series game, get Pittsburgh and Philly going head to head at Beaver Stadium. I think the only thing that's stopping them is a tougher to make these work in the college stadiums. But I mean, they made it work at Carter Finley last year. So I'm surprised that Beaver Stadium hasn't been picked for an outdoor game. That seems like a no-brainer. For my ACHA one, um, right away, I'm thinking about like the most scenic venues in, in college football. I got to see one the other day when I was in Utah with Rice Eccles Stadium. That would be great to see the skating Utes out there. This is a team I would love to see play outdoors someday, and I'm sure they will in the near future, but App State and one of the most scenic venues in college football, Kid Brewer Stadium, especially if they could do this in like early winter, late fall when the foliage is at its peak. I, that just that's that setting is really cool. And uh, it's a really cool stadium. And I think that would be really cool. We love the App State boys on this pod as well. So that would be a place that I want to do it. I know I think the Hurricanes is part of their deal with their new arena is they're guaranteed to get another outdoor game in the next five years. I think once the arena renovations are complete. So, I mean, Hey, if you're looking for a stadium to do it in North Carolina, why not Boone? And uh, I think that would be a really cool. And I'm sure app state would come up with some really cool jerseys for an outdoor game as well. So wrapping up the show here, Collins, I'll let you start picking up the pucks first. Cause you got to get out of here. You got an eight 30 in the morning. What's on your mind this week? Well, first, I just knew you were going to say App State. The obsession you have with that school is is like no other. I, I honestly, I wanted to pick Utah, but I feel like I, I didn't want to let the Utah bias show that early on. So I, I went I went back with my roots and I went with App State. But yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head there. Yeah, but f- so for my picking up pucks this week, I so Herm sent something in the group chat from the like 1933 UCLA yearbook on Twitter about the UCLA hockey team. Having tied for second place honors last year and having lost only three lettermen, the Bruin Pucksters began the season with the brightest of prospects. Bring back the term Pucksters. Like 1930s hockey slang, like bring that back. I think that stuff is hilarious. Yeah, that that is very 1930s. I do love what the UCLA team hockey, the hockey team goes by now at UCLA. 
and they use hashtag cold brews, which I think is a really good one. I might need that one on a shirt. No, that's 100% sick. That's awesome. But I mean, when I was digging through the Villanova archives, I saw pucksters too. like bring back the, the old, old, old school hockey slang. I'm trying to think. Well, like, it's funny, like, that's where most nicknames in sports came from is like the, the the people writing in the newspaper just got to pick what these teams got called. Like, imagine in this day and age with everything people say on social media. Imagine if we just like went with what people said. Like, I, I don't know if we talk about that enough. Like, I, the only one that comes to mind is when everyone on Twitter was calling the cane, the, the canes jerks. And then, you know, they embraced it. Don Cherry, bunch of jerks. But like, other than that, like, I don't know how many nicknames come to fruition from what the media is talking about these days. But I feel like in the early, you know, 20s and 30s, it was like the school newspaper gave you your nickname and you just stuck with it. And that's that's how we ended up with things like the Pucksters. That's how we ended up with Ice Cats. The uh, the school newspaper gave it to us, I think. Make school news popular again. Why not? Why not? Fitz, what do you got for us this week? I'm working the, the Binghamton free agent camp this uh, weekend, this coming weekend, the day this comes out. I'll be working the camp. Just want to wish the best of luck to not only those guys that are coming out to that camp, but obviously all of our uh, ACHA and AAU guys that are having tryouts, um, either already had them or they're coming up or they're going through them right now. Give it all you got. Leave it all on the ice. Most importantly, have fun. Awesome. And before I get to mine, I do I do want to say I forgot Herm is out this week, but he gave his input when it came to an outdoor stadium game where he would like to see. And I'm pretty sure you can all all know where he's going with this one, but he thinks Ohio would be a perfect place for an outdoor game. And, and who can blame him? You'd have to think a Bobcats matchup against any of the top 25 teams in the ACHA would draw a really good crowd in Athens. So that's who he had for his pick. He is doing an awesome job with the f- photo of the year contest. So if you haven't already, tune into our Instagram story. Vote on some of the best photos from ACHA and AAU college hockey photographers from this past season. And be sure to check that out. For my, who, I don't know what I got for for picking up pucks this week. Uh, it's been in- interesting helping out David Wagstaff, friend of the, the pod. He is a photographer and helps run the media at Drexel, doing some graphics work for him and in my freelance time. So it's interesting, uh, you know, swapping out ACHA colors and, and coming up with a new schedule. I, I've been working on it all day and, you know, Villanova's on that schedule. So I got some competition in the social world to make sure my graphics game is on par with Collins and what he's creating at Villanova. So um, swapped the Q's colors for some Drexel colors, but um, looking forward to to releasing that with them. Wait, just waiting. Let's see what what other ACHA AAU news comes at us in the next couple weeks. Like we've said already, um, feel free to send us a DM at Hockey House Pod, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Would love to see somebody come at us with some hot takes on TikTok. We could use it's it's rare that we get DMs on the TikTok, but let's see a hot take on the TikTok account this week. Give us some predictions. We'd love to hear them and love to uh, regurgitate them next week for everyone else to hear. As always, thank you again for tuning in. Episode 107 in the books. Thank you, Hockey House Mafia. And we will see you again next week. See you, boys. Yeah.